personal friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And we are still in July. It is still theater month here. Theater. It's time to be dramatic. <laughs> Shireen knows all about that. <laughs> I was going to say, what am I not dramatic? <laughs> like, every month is theater month for Every me. month theater month, and none of them are theater month for me, but that's okay. <laughs> but despite that, I love the theater. Mm-hmm. interestingly enough maybe it's because I like the drama to be not in my own life I'd prefer it to just be somewhere else in front of me where I can just appreciate it from a distance and not have to deal with it myself it's the only place where your drama manifests pretty much yeah, yeah that's it exactly um and so we figured that we would do something fun this week change it up something fun next week we're going to do something less less fun more tragic I guess so, yeah I suppose yeah so this week we are talking about um Chicago from 2002 it's really hard to I think do uh, like a whole month talking about theater without talking about musicals in some yeah, way shape or form because sure. it just feels like there's such like an, an integral part of the theater scene itself and really they tend to be the biggest crowd draw in a lot of cases as well. Absolutely. I mean, it, they're catchy, right? Like, there's oh, yeah. songs that are catchy, and it's just a good time. Uh-huh. You know? Like, this is going to be Chicago, I think, is the kind of um, film or production, whatever you'd like to call it, where even if you haven't seen it, you've definitely, like, heard some of the yeah. songs, and you probably kind of know what it's about, even if you don't really know what the details are mm. of the story. Um so let's 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 just let's just dive in. Let's, let's get just dive to in. It. Let's talk about it. Your hair, I wear your buckle shoes, and all that jazz. Velma has it. On a brand new start to do that jazz. Roxy wants it. All my life, I wanted to have my own act. That's great. I'll be in touch. You know, I'm not quite finished yet. So Chicago was released in 2002 and is currently right now sitting at a score of 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, no shocks. No yeah. surprises. No, that's bad. It, yeah. You know, it just makes sense. I get it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see anybody really having like any kind of a different reaction to it most of the time. Yeah. Um, a little bit of background. Initially, Chicago was obviously a Broadway musical. Uh, and the initial production was, um, took place, actually the initial production happened in 1975. Oh, wow. So this is a story that's been around for quite a long time. Um, the music was done by a man named John Kander, lyrics by Fred Ebb, and the book, basically, so the story itself and everything to do with choreography was done by Fred Ebb and Bob Fosse. If anybody's ever heard of Bob Fosse, that was, like, the name that stood out to me. He is a very well-renowned, or he was, I should say, a very well-renowned, um, director and choreographer particularly like dancer choreographer within the theater and even film scene okay to a certain extent he was um incredible at what he did Mm -hmm. and he choreographed the original that's it production of chicago and i think a lot of everything that's been done since then has been based on his original choreographies and whatnot as well yeah because it's still going like if you go to new york city can you still see chicago i'm pretty sure like i was i was there a year ago and I was, I'm pretty sure that there was still an option to go see Chicago. Okay. Well, I believe that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's one like, that's it. You've at least seen the poster for it, even if you haven't seen it, even if you don't know what it is. This was a first time watch for you. It was, yeah. Yeah. So, which I did not know, by the way. I thought oh. I was like, I was like, oh, I haven't seen it in a while. It would be fun to revisit. Yeah. I did not realize that you hadn't no. seen it at all. <laughs> like anything that came out, like 
I guess, early 2000s, like when I was a kid. I remember when this movie came out. I remember wanting to rent it at the video store. Sure. And uh, my mom was just really not into musicals or anything like that. Which, like, you know, having watched Chicago Now, my mom loves a good murder, you know. Yeah, you're like, she would have really liked this. She would have quite liked this. Um, So I was watching it. But, you know, it was just something that never occurred to me to go back and watch later on. Yeah. Yeah, so technically the so my understanding is that the original idea for this musical came from actually a play Mm -hmm. from back in the 20s that was written by a woman named maureen dallas watkins she was a reporter oh wow and these were based on crimes technically that she reported on now obviously a lot is changed as far as like the story and everything is concerned but her inspiration and what she did came from there and as a matter of fact there is a female, female reporter, reporter Mary yeah. Sunshine who's one of played by Christine Baranski in the film who's one of the characters in the musical that apparently she wrote as like a little like sort of self-referential character yeah. within the um, within the play itself when she originally wrote the story for yeah. it mm-hmm. uh, which is always interesting those like little easter eggs so uh, basic plot line let's say Chicago is set in the mid 1920s um in Chicago (laughs) that's the name (laughs) of the play anyway um and is so it's very jazz age prohibition and um very much something that was that was like a basically a critique and a satire of the time about like you know sort of the corruption of like the justice system and how being you know, being flashy and fake can get you off for something as severe as murder. And at the time, you know, if you consider the way that the justice system would have functioned at that time, as well as um, the total lack of regulatory anything for um, reporting on different subjects, it would have been very easy to either condemn or to protest someone's innocence, no matter what evidence, actual evidence existed in order to convict people of a particular crime. And that comes through in the story too. Yeah, I was really noticing that in the story. And uh, yeah, they say multiple times, um, you know, like like something along the lines of like how murder is fashionable in Chicago. Basically, yeah. You know, like there's always a murder. There's always something new going on. And like, you know, if you're not killing someone, then <laughs> yeah. like, you know, who are you even? Yeah, you know, that's like it, it's exactly. very satirical in For that sure. Way. Yeah. So basically what kicks everything off is that, okay, I'm sorry. So I'm getting confirmation now looking at this, that it's actually set in 1924, which okay, makes sense. That makes sense. Yep. So, um, a housewife named Roxy Hart played by Renee Zellweger in the film is basically she has, she, you know, doesn't do anything. All she wants to do is be in show business. She wants to be a vaudeville performer mm-hmm. more than like anything, anything. in the world. Yeah. That is what she wants completely. Um, the opening that we're getting is basically like we do flash forward a little bit after that, like a little period of time, which might have been where your confusion came in as to like when things were happening. So basically what happens at the beginning of the film is that there's uh, the opening numbers, all that jazz. Yeah. And um, we're treated to like, you know, that's it sort of like Chicago club scene, basically yeah. like a vaudeville club and uh, Velma Kelly played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, who I I don't know what it is about her. I love her in everything. I don't know. She seems mean to me. There's I don't like know. nothing like I don't know. When I've seen I her see interviewed her, like, and she sees lo- she seems lovely. I'm sure, but whenever she plays characters, like her characters always have this like mean edge to them. I find I think it's because what they did a good job with, like in the casting for the film anyway, is you know, you cast Renee Zellweger as Roxy, who 
arguably is the shittier of the two of Definitely, them. Definitely, yeah. Um, but they, but she has so very much the demeanor and look of like your ingenue type mm. that it's so easy to uh, to believe for her, her and root for her. Whereas yeah. with you know Velma, despite the fact that obviously like everybody's in prison for a crime everybody's done something but like you know despite the fact that that's it like you know she also has done like sort of the same levels of things you automatically see her as more of a villain and it's that whole like blonde versus dark hair thing from like old movies it's that whole like your ingenue versus your femme fatale character and like the different ways that they portray that and I think that Catherine Zeta-Jones has been boxed into that a little bit just because of being basically because of how fucking gorgeous she is so but you know she's it's fine it's cool she's still getting to do stuff like that now she's a great Morticia Adams oh she was great as Morticia she was a really great casting choice as soon as I read it I was like yeah I believe that that that's not a weird one for me at all Mm -hmm. so anyway um Basically, Roxy's at a club, sees Velma shows up to perform. She's, we're given the impression she's meant to be performing with her sister, Veronica, because they're like a double act Mm. show. Uh, However, she goes up to do this um, and she shows up by herself, says, oh, my sister's not feeling like herself tonight. It's fine. I can, I'll go on without her. And she goes up, does the full, all that jazz number herself. At the same time, what we're seeing is that she's like trying to wash blood off her hands. Um, And you quickly realize the police are showing up by the end of the number and everything is that she, she murdered her sister and her husband. And we don't know why immediately, but spoiler alert, it's because she found out that they were having an affair, the two of them, basically. So she killed both of them in a jealous rage. Um, And then went on to perform flawlessly I know like beautifully (laughs) you're like wow okay um I read a really funny thing (laughs) somewhere and I don't know how true it is that said that basically apparently the director originally wanted Catherine Zeta-Jones to keep like her long hair that she usually has yeah but she insisted on like having a bob yeah partially I think for the time period but also because she apparently in like the dance scenes she wanted people to realize that she she was doing all the dancing uh-huh. that it wasn't like as like a stand-in or anything yeah. that she it actually was doing all of it perfectly she looks great she looks it. she always looks fucking good yeah. anyway but yeah it's true she did like it works yeah. really well and it makes sense to me for the time period as mm-hmm. well I think it would have been weird for her to have really long hair I don't know I mean, they they would have had to like pin it under, pin it right? under, yeah. and stuff. Do like a like a curl yeah. and like pin it. But Renee Zellweger already had the curl going. Exactly, right? that's so, it. Which also yeah. suited her really well Absolutely. and made sense for her character too. So I don't know. Anyway, so Roxy um, wants. Let's say she's determined to be a vaudeville performer, and she's met this guy named Fred Casely, who yeah. um, is of a course, furniture salesman. Yes, he's an, an asshole. Whatever. Like you know, he's that kind of guy who's just like, well, I want to, I want to fuck I'll this make woman. You a so star, yeah, that's baby. it. So I can definitely make you a star. And it's that whole trope of like, you know, that's it. Like the guy lies or whatever. So we're seeing that Velma's obviously arrested for the murder of her sister and her husband, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Roxy's been having this affair with this guy, Fred, who I'm sure started off super fucking nice. But now, of course, that he's gotten what he's wanted a few times. We've jumped forward in time and she's, you know, trying to get more information from him about like, hey, like, when are you going to introduce me to someone? It's been a while, blah, 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 whatever. And of course, come to realize very quickly that he lied. Yep. Because of course he did. Yep. Men. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because he is a terrible person. And he lied because, of course, he just wanted to get into her pants. Ta-da. It worked. Um, And... 
and of course, and so of course this sends her into a tizzy because like I said, she's so fucking hyper-focused on doing this with her life that she can't handle it. And when he gets very physical with her as he's trying to leave, because he's like, fuck off. Like, I don't want you or this anymore. You're annoying basically. And I've gotten what I've wanted from you. She pulls out a gun from the drawer because America, I guess, and shoots him. (laughs) Ta-da. I was like so shocked because I had no idea. I thought that this movie was like a musical about the jazz age or something. And I'm like thinking it's all happy-go-lucky. It is, but murder. (laughs) But murder. And like the whole thing about like Catherine Zeta-Jones like murdering her her sister and all that did not catch on oh. to that at all until like later on when they say it when they say it yeah that's and then it. she shoots this guy and i'm like whoa oh, okay like what are we in for here <laughs> yeah you know oh this is i'm so glad that you went into this without like a lot of knowledge yeah, of what it was about it's so much no better idea. it was great um so yeah of course obviously there's an in, like you know an investigation that's happening and they're being questioned um and uh, Roxy's, like I said, she's a housewife, so she is married. Uh, her husband's name is Amos. He's played by John C. Riley. He's so fucking sweet, but kind of stupid, but in a oh. way that's so endearing that you're like, oh, poor Amos. It's not his fault. Amos you're is like such a put upon. Man. Amos yeah. is such a put upon character. He's so lovely yeah. that you're like, I feel so bad for him throughout yeah. the whole course of the story. Well, it's very. Um, it reminded me of uh, what's his name there? The the uh, oh my god, what's his name in The Great Gatsby there? George. Yes, yes. Very much I that. see what you mean. You yeah. know, very Like, George much was a bit meaner, basically. A bit, but I think, you know, like, he was still pretty dumb, and he had this beautiful wife. Yes, you know? and he didn't know what to do with and her. And he didn't know what to do with her. He like didn't know how, how to, to keep her. A beautiful wife with aspirations yeah. for something that she didn't have with him, and he yeah. just didn't know how to deal with that. Yes, exactly. no, you're totally right. That's yeah. true. I never even thought of that, yeah, but it's true. Much. Yeah. Um. So, of course, what's happening is that Amos, her husband, is... Basically, she's concocted this story with him for the police so that she doesn't get arrested, uh, where he's saying, like, oh, yeah, like, I came home and there was this guy who was burgling the apartment and so I shot him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I killed him, like, before he could do anything. No, no, my wife was asleep. She didn't see anything. She didn't know anything. Yeah. And Roxy's got this great number called Funny Honey where she sings this little, like, ditty basically about her husband yeah. where she's saying, like, you know, like, he's not – like he's not great no he's not good looking no he's not very smart but she's like he's so obsessed and devoted to me (laughs) that like you know he's pretty great but I love my favorite I love that song because it has such a great transition when the police in the middle of the song explain that the man who was killed was named Fred Casely and he's like wait that's not possible how could he be a burglar he's he's a furniture he he sold us our our furniture furniture. and then he says too which I love he's like he gave us 10% off I'm like yeah because he wanted to fuck your wife but anyway but and like that again just shows like how like not very smart this man how is sort of yeah he, he has no filter and no ability to be like oh wait I could be incriminating my wife and like wait what's going on yeah here? and so he's just saying all of it as she's singing it it was got, very well done it's so good it's this great sort of overtone of her singing where she's realizing she's like what the fuck is wrong with him yeah. basically like she's like you know like now he shot off his trap yeah and yeah. you know she's like look at him she's like he's ratting on me yeah. blah 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 and she has this whole thing at the same time as he's speaking where he's like oh I'm just like a fucking idiot. Like, how could I not have realized what was going on? <laughs> she said meal, she meal said he ticket. was a burglar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She's just using me as a meal ticket. And he's yeah. just yelling all of this yeah, to yeah, the yeah. police. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, obviously, Ro- Roxy is promptly arrested by Comb Fior, who plays the assistant DA in yep. this, that I was like, hey, yep. I love him. Can- great Canadian actor. I've seen him on stage. He's wonderful. Bonk up, bad cup. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes, also that. <laughs> Which no one outside of Canada will have seen that one. Oh, I know. It's, like, not possible. Anyway. 
So, Roxy is sent to the Cook County Jail in Chicago, which I think was a real place. Or is a real place? Was a real place? Oh my god, yeah, it totally is. Mm. Look at that. Confirmation. Anyway, (laughs) uh, she's sent to Cook County. She's obviously like, oh my god, like very distraught. Because she really thought that Amos was just going to go to bat for her and that would be the end of it and it would be self-defense and no one would have to deal with any consequences. That's one thing Roxy's terrible at, dealing with consequences for anything that she does. Oh yeah, she just does not want to, like she doesn't think she has to. No. Um, and it comes out a lot in the movie and even her lawyer like despairs of her, you know, because yeah, she just keeps like, opening her mouth and it's like, with you. Sh- yeah, that's it. Yeah. So she's sent to the Cook County prison. Um, that's where we, we meet Mama, who's May Morton, who is the matron, I guess, warden to an extent of the women's prison, mm. pretty much play, played by Queen Latifah. Great. She does a great job. She does do at a this. great job. She also has a really great song called When You're Good to Mama. Yeah. Where it's very full of like these double entendre sort of things where everything is very sort of like, you know, the song that she's singing is very jazzy. And technically what she's saying is when you're good to mama, mama's good to you. And because the way that she operates in the prison is that she'll do things for the women. She'll, you know, like she'll help get them interviews and she'll do all kinds of like stuff for them, bring them stuff that they want, but they have to pay her. Like if she gets money under the table, she'll do whatever you want her to do. And whichever woman who's there is getting the most uh press time basically is the one that she's most interested in because she's out for herself as well because that's something that you see recurs over and over and over again in every situation all of these people are just out for themselves and it doesn't really matter what happens to anyone else so she has her whole song where she does her little like like her little jazzy thing back and forth it's a really good song i love it i don't know what it is but it's like a really fun song i really enjoy it um Roxy's brought into her cell and like these are the times so like we've kind of seen it to a certain extent with like you know her singing about Amos and then obviously like you know when mama shows up and she has her song but I think at this point is kind of when you're really starting to see okay so Roxy's fucking obsession with um working in show business basically uh manifests itself in her in like it's sort of like her overactive imagination manifests these musical numbers that are happening throughout the course of the story where like you know you're getting like this is how like the character is being introduced and stuff and everybody's got like an introductory kind of thing like that so well done like in that number where you know they're doing like the the six of them you know kind of introducing themselves um, cell block tango and that one I find that one presents itself well too because it's like you can tell that she's starting to like do it in her mind because it's like the water's dripping to a beat and then she hears someone knocking on like the bars of their cell on a beat as well and it starts the music starts from there but what I was gonna say is what's really well done in the movie like from a cinematography point of view is yes they show all that and you could almost assume that they are all taking part in a musical number because Catherine Zeta-Jones was a singer and all that. Yeah. But then there's like a half a second where they're all sitting down at a table. Yes, and, and they'll just tell talking. you, I'm just explaining yeah. what happened. Because basically it's, they call them the six Mary murderesses because yeah. it's the six women who are at the prison for having murdered men pretty yeah. much, mm-hmm. um, basically. So, and they all, there's this, the cell block tango number which goes through and they also keep it, a very Broadway style because they are still doing this on a stage. Like you yeah. can physically see that they're on a stage performing mm. the number, which is also why you know that it's like definitely in someone's in someone's head. <laughs> I think, you know, what's really fun about fun, I'm using air quotes here, about this story is that it's it's a very different way of 
portraying women. Like, yes. none of them are remorseful about no. what they did. Not the even women a little in this story bit. are unapologetically like they have done what they've done. My God, the first woman who presents her story killed her boyfriend because he popped gun too loud. Yep. And she just does not care. She's like, yeah, you would have done it too. Everybody else, like, hers makes me laugh so much because everybody else, I'm like, okay, I can see it. Like, you know, you've got the one who's like, you know, like she found out that her boyfriend who said he was single was like a Mormon and he had like six wives. wives. And you've got another one who apparently her husband attacked her in a jealous rage. You've got like the girl who, like, you know, you've got Velma's story where she explains that that's it. Her sister Veronica and her husband Charlie were having an affair and she walked in on them in the middle of it. Like all of those things make sense to me. The gum one, I was always like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just, it's really funny. And then she says, like, and you would have done it too if you yeah, were me. It's like, would you? You're like, what I do? Um, and this is also, this is the only instance where, this is the first instance, I should say, where you get a little bit of a sober moment where you get one of the women who's there. Um, her name is Cataline, and she's a Hungarian immigrant who basically speaks no English. Yeah. And explains her story which I looked up the translation for because it's all it's in Hungarian Mm -hmm. so I couldn't tell you Uh, but basically what she explains is that the police and like prosecutors and whatnot have said that she uh, supposedly with her lover Mm. murdered her husband by holding him down and like decapitating him which like whoa (laughs) that's crazy and what she says is basically I don't understand why Uncle Sam has accused me of this and she says and they ask her and then one of the other women goes yeah but did you do it and she goes "Uh uh-uh not guilty Mm. and that's all she can basically say in English and she's the only person who protests and actually says that she's innocent Mm. none of these women are remorseful all like yeah I did it they're like yeah I fucking did it and I do it again I'd like it's it again very too. much yeah. it's very much like that so that's how we get kind of an idea of kind of like what the prison is like what's happening and around this time Roxy realizes that she's going to need like a pretty good attorney and mama points her towards Billy Flynn mm. who's played by Richard Gere who is um a sleazy defense attorney basically um who's just very fucking good at his job oh yeah and, and all charges a lot of money and for charges it a lot of money for it. what does he ask for five thousand dollars which like but, in 1924 oof. but also like he's very good at his job but he's a showman yes right? he's like, not he, really a lawyer no he's a showman and i think he wins his cases by any means necessary. He wins his cases by any means necessary, and he wins his cases by, um, like, a magician, basically, like, sleight of hand, or it's yeah. sort of like, you know, like, oh, it's like a distraction, like, oh, look at over here, look what's so crazy going on over here, but over here we're just going to ignore the actual yeah. facts of the case, yeah. and I'm going to push a narrative at you that's yep. much flashier, that's yep. much more, like, so much more intense that you'll get so much more excited by. So that's how he does what he does. It's very well done, and it's I great. love his little, like, numbers that he has throughout. Like, Oh, you know, like when he shows one, up, he's like, all I care about is love, love. And, and you're, you're like, yeah, no, okay. Doesn't. And he's like, and then at the same time, they're showing him going yeah you need to give me five thousand dollars yes you know and so where you have it's fun because he he knows he's really good at his job and he knows how to manipulate the press um and the general public opinion by presenting different types of people so like Velma's like your vampy yeah kind of character where everyone is just like sort of more like you know kind of blown away about the fact that she's like attractive and stuff like yeah. that so they don't really pay attention to what she's actually done and in Roxy's case he's like no we're gonna make you the sweet little yeah. born again Christian yeah. girl basically who so was like in a convent who was in a convent and oh yeah. yeah and she's like I don't know my parents are probably at home no your parents are dead yeah uh, and that's what yeah, we're gonna tell he, the like, press creates a whole narrative 
live. And, and he tells her, he's like, I'm going to sell you like this. And it's like, wow, okay. Yeah, that's it. And his, I mean, I think that his manipulation comes through best when he sings We Both Reached for the Gun, yeah. which is a great one. They do it like marionette yes. style, where it's like he's the puppeteer, and he's puppeting Roxy, and he's puppeting all of the journalists, and he's making it very clear that like when the altercation happened before she shot Fred they both reached for the gun and he was much bigger than her and he was much stronger than her and you know and then of course to go with the little like you know like oh I just feel so bad about my actions thing it's very much like you know like oh yeah stay away from jazz and liquor and like you know that whole Chicago life it corrupted her and she did something she shouldn't have done (laughs) she stepped out on her husband who they never mentioned ever Poor Amos. <laughs> Poor Amos, but he does pop up sporadically. He does sporadically. We get a whole good number with him later, too, which is also, like, that's the saddest song of the whole movie, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Um, so because of this, Roxy becomes, like, a sensation, basically. Everyone wants to talk to her. Everyone's like, oh, poor little sweet girl. Like, I can't believe that this has happened to her. Stuck in, you know, this whole situation and everything. So, of course, Velma's pissed because she was the one who was in the papers before. She was the one getting all the attention. And now she she's not. And on that to get off and then continue her fame but of course her trial's being delayed and all Mm -hmm. that kind of shit so she's unhappy about it and mama's like i mean you might just have to go fucking suck up to her so she gives you a little bit of her her Mm -hmm. time basically like with the press uh so then velma has her best number of the whole fucking movie which is i can't do it alone Mm -hmm. where she basically is saying she's like well you know i had a really good double act with my sister you and i could maybe look at doing something like that like that would be cool and then she has like this whole number that she does by herself which like she's incredible she does a really good job yeah. at it she won an oscar for this which kind of makes sense to me that so make sense. i think they both did actually did they i think renee zellweger did as well it was a great movie yeah so um so anyway so she does all of it and you know because she was she was pretty mean to roxy when she like first arrived roxy basically like repays her in kind and is just like no you yeah. can you can get fucked basically and just like no you go you have fun i'm the one who's getting all the attention now but she's very naive i find oh Roxy. so na- she's yes so naive like throughout the whole movie like even when they arrest her she's like yeah i killed him and i'd do it again yeah like, she's extremely naive and i think because she has this grand vision of herself oh yeah she feels untouchable in this yes, weird like, way she really seems to think that she's like this grand celebrity deserving of all of yeah. this attention like oh i don't know why people don't want more attention like yeah. my like you know want to put me in the spotlight yeah. more. i really deserve it i should be in the spotlight more um And she immediately, she starts to see that kind of slip away because like, um, you know, because of course that's what's going to happen. The press are are a fickle bunch, okay? So of course there's another murder. We get a Lucy Liu cameo because she plays this heiress who, you know, showed up at home and found her boyfriend in bed with two other women and killed all three of them kind of thing. And she's, you know, I like that all of the women present, like who are arrested throughout the course of the story, present really different types of like personalities. Like, you know, Velma's like your dark seductress type and Roxy's like your ingenue type. Mm. And then Kitty, this woman is like basically like your angry firecracker type (laughs) because she like kicks one of the reporters in the balls (laughs) and stuff. And she's just like, you know, she's like being crazy. So of course, as soon as this happens, it's a bigger story. The press is going away. No one wants to take her picture and stuff. But I will give Roxy that she is ambitious. And so in order to retain their attention, when everybody, including Billy, is starting to ignore her, she quote unquote faints. Yeah. In uh, like behind her cell. And of course, when everybody's like, oh my God, are you okay? You know? 
they pick her up and she's like, oh, yes, I am. I just, you know, oh God, I just, I hope the fall didn't hurt the baby. And everyone's like, and I love that mama goes baby and Velma goes, oh shit. So good. I know because she's just standing there watching Roxy, and like, Billy's like, "What the next? fuck?" Because I think, like to your point, like Velma's character is the dark seductress, and you kind of know where you stand with her. Yes. Like she, she's pretty um, stable in her actions. Yeah, she she retains um, like the same attitude yeah, throughout the whole thing. Whereas Roxy, it's like you don't know what's gonna come out of her mouth. No. Yet. So that reaction that Velma had, it's like, oh shit! <laughs> like here she goes now. You yeah, know? that's it. it's very funny though so of course of course obviously then she starts getting all the fucking attention again yeah. oh no she's pregnant oh my goodness she can't have her baby in prison yeah, yeah. she can't be killed yeah like, that's it oh my god we can't her. hang her she's got a baby in her belly like yeah. that's a whole thing yeah. right so um at the same time unfortunately that's it first of all poor amos is mistreated by everybody including his wife and billy who's like um obviously the baby's not you know it's not yours it's fred's you guys haven't you know copulated in a in while in several months yeah. so obviously the baby's not yours it's definitely Fred's and Amos is like well I'm gonna get a divorce because like what the hell else am I supposed yeah. to do um and Roxy at this point because she's managed to get more of this attention has gotten too fucking big for her britches she fires Billy because she thinks she knows better than he does <laughs> about things at the same time as he's like fuck you I quit yeah um but she's brought right back down to earth when unfortunately Catalin, the Hungarian woman who very much I believe was actually innocent, innocent. and was um, a pretty easy scapegoat because she had no language to defend herself yeah. with um, unfortunately is found guilty and is put to death. She's executed mm-hmm. and that is I think a very sobering and a very humbling moment for probably most of the women yeah. there but particularly for Roxy who mm-hmm. thinks that she doesn't need anything from anyone so of course yeah. she obviously rehires Billy. Of course she goes running right back to him. Yep. Um um, obviously, uh, Billy does what he does in court and turns this entire thing into a fucking circus, oh, pretty much. huge the, show. The way that he just, like, distracts the jurors mm-hmm. from what's important. He says he objects when no one's even said anything yeah. yet. Like, just <laughs> absurdities, which shows you that, like, he's not a lawyer. He's just a performer, yeah, basically. But he does a great job at it. And he sings his whole Give Him the Old Razzle Dazzle yeah. song there, where it's just basically, that's it. Like, make it flashy and make, yeah. it, make it crazy and that will make people people that will distract people from the facts that will distract people from what's really going on so what happens basically is that the prosecutor brings Velma in um with uh, Roxy's diary supposed entries in her diary to read them and it's basically you know stuff to incriminate Roxy just saying like you know like oh yeah I killed him and I'd kill him again I'm just sad Mm. I didn't get to do it twice kind of thing um but you know, Billy discredits that while Velma's on the stand because he's like, he's like, yeah, she wrote really Roxy wrote things like erroneous. Yeah. And like, she's not a lawyer. Yeah. He's like, oh God, that sounds like a lawyer. And he turns, he twists and turns it and makes it seem like it's the DA who's the person who's actually done this. They like manipulated the diary, blah, 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 blah. But what this has done too is that like you know it's secured for Velma her release because apparently in exchange for testifying she was all the charges were dropped against her and it's just, which is insane it's insane but she like, murdered two people I know but like the whole thing is crazy because it's like who are they making an example of first question yeah and then second question is like you know Roxy said when they arrested her I killed him and I'd kill him again and she writes it in her diary as well and so you're like okay but like 
how is he able and i love the number where he's doing his tap dance because oh he's it's so good tap dancing around yes. the courtroom with the story right like he's like doing a tap dance for the jurors it's so good and you're like okay like he's really taking their their um focus away away from, from the real tr- of, yeah. from what's really real and for and not giving them he basically just doesn't give them a moment to question to about what might be going like, on putting so much like noise and like stuff in their exactly face. and the judge is like saying i'll hold you in contempt and he keeps shouting and shouting yep. and shouting like it's so good um so we so you know he does all of this basically beautifully and of course to a point where that's it we get to the end of the trial. Yeah. And and I love I love so much the scene where that's it. We're seeing like, you know, that the the foreman is like, Yes, we've reached a verdict, blah, 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 and they're about to read what the verdict is. And at the same time the it's interspersed with the newspapers outside. Yes. They've got one copy if she's guilty, one copy I if she's innocent, it. and he's just waiting to get yeah. and they wave a flag out the window with the white to tell him that she's innocent. So that's the one yeah. he throws onto the ground. Yeah. That's he's what they like, start selling. Get your news. Oh, here. it's wild. Yeah, it's so good. It's so well and done. In the same moment, another woman shoots a man her just lawyer. outside the courtroom. Yeah, my, underst- my understanding is that this is a woman who was going on trial because she had shot her husband and then she shoots her lawyer on the courthouse steps yeah. right outside. Right there. And so everyone just flocks to this and they completely forget Roxy. So she's and, gotten yeah. her moment. Like she yeah. got her, her, and she's out of prison, which like is what you should be grateful for more than anything. But she doesn't care but about But she's that. like, nobody wants to take my picture except Amos. Yeah, and he's like, come home with me. And she's like, no, there's no baby. Yeah, and he's like, well, the baby. She's like, there ain't no baby. She's like, you're such a fucking idiot. She's so mean to him. He also, he has a really good number after he had like met Billy earlier he has a number called Mr. Cellophane mm. where basically he's saying he's like cellophane like he's like clear plastic he's like you could look right through me walk right by me and never yeah. know I'm there yeah. everybody ignores him Aww, no one sees man. him he has like this whole thing where he does like a little bit of a dance and he's putting on like clown makeup like he's almost like trying to be noticed like a performer yeah. it's really good but it's so and it's so sad like Amos is a really sad character because she's like there is no fucking baby and he just leaves Yeah, he leaves. like I only what presume they do? get divorced he leaves and then that's the end of it and i'm like god that's awful um well she gets what she wants though doesn't she well yeah it just takes a little while because of course she wanted the fame right away but i think we all have to see that that's not necessarily going to happen immediately because yeah. she's going through a period of time where she's um auditioning she's trying to get auditions for vaudeville shows and they're all like eh whatever no yeah. thank you you know the usual way basically it's like auditioning for broadway <laughs> Pretty much. um and <laughs> well, as she's leaving velma's at one of her auditions and is like listen i've been talking to this guy over at whatever club and he says like one murderess is not a big deal but two will really get people in the door <laughs> and of course you know we're given to understand that they're both struggling yeah and that they don't have to like each other necessarily yeah, but they, they can perform to together, together. Yeah. which is exactly what they do and, and they, they have this whole big fucking show <laughs> The and they got guns and stuff. It's like so they make brave. they make fun of themselves. Like you know, yeah. like the audience is super into it and everything. They have like a whole like number that they do. What's it called nowadays? Yeah. Um, and you know, basically, it just like they do all of that. They get a standing ovation. Everybody's like, everyone's there in the audience. Like Billy's there, Mama's there. Like yeah. everyone's like all excited and stuff like that. And it just, I think it's basically telling you that like 
the corruption is still there. Mm-hmm. It still exists. And like these women got away with murder yeah. and were still able to do what they yeah. wanted to do. And it's just, it's wild. Well, I think it's, you know, the name of it is Chicago, right? And it's like, just, yeah. That's Chicago. That's Chicago. I think Billy says that at one point. Yeah. He just says that's Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. very good. Very, it was just like a good time. Um, and it's, it was it, such a different but interesting time yeah um but I will say that I think you know I think to watch it even with like a under like a more modern lens is still interesting because you still realize there are more regulations in place but you realize still how much happens and is misconstrued by media yeah oh yeah and how it's manipulated and how you know even now if we put out a story like this you know there's this expectation of like you know the woman to be the way that he was portraying Roxy to be yes like very sweet and innocent and demure and and oh I didn't mean to do it and oh my gosh like I have no idea how to use a gun yeah all this you know and and we still see things being made like that now in modern day for sure so I thought it was really interesting and it was fun to watch a movie that was made in 2002 and seeing like Catherine Zeta-Jones and Nicole, uh, what's her face? Renee Zellweger. Uh, Renee, yeah. Renee Zellweger. Um, and it's just fun because it's like, you know, you see them now and they're in like very different roles. For and sure. Stuff. And I'm but like, to okay. see them like at this yeah. period is interesting. And it is, there is something fun that almost fits better now than it did like 20 odd yeah. years ago uh, about like that's it a whole group of women who unapologetically are doing whatever yes. the fuck they want to do like, I would do it again like I just it was it was good I really liked it yeah it's a fun one uh, but have you guys seen, have you seen Chicago? A lot of people have seen Chicago. Well, I'd be apparently really, not well, everyone. No, not everybody, <laughs> but you know, a lot of people have seen Chicago. I'd be really curious to hear from people also who've like seen a stage production of it, which I would really like to do at some point. Cause I'd be really curious to see like, you know, some of what they incorporated in the film of like sort of the uh, songs interspersed with like scenes of what's going on throughout the course of the show and everything. I'd be really curious to see what that looks like on yeah. stage, you know? So, um, you guys can let us know about that over on Instagram at fully booked CA. We're on threads now because apparently Twitter is a shitstorm that nobody wants to be part of anymore. <laughs> so we've moved We're over to cool threads, <laughs> which you can find us over there too. I believe just search at fully booked CA as well. And you'll find us over there. And you can also check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. But until next week, guys keep on reading. Thanks everyone. <laughs> <laughs>